Well, welcome once again to Cross Point Community Church. We're so glad that you are watching from wherever you're watching this morning. And uh, my name is Kyle. I am one of the pastors here at Cross Point. And we, a few weeks ago, in case maybe this is your first time with us, if it is, so glad you're here with us. But uh, if, if you don't know, over the past few weeks, we've been doing this series called Pause. And the idea behind this series is uh, anytime that uh, we take a moment to pause what we're doing, um, it's, it's an opportunity for us to look at and assess like what we think and, and why we do the things that we do. Reality is, culture has kind of hit the pause button right now. Many of us, like life isn't, doesn't look the way that it used to look, like things have kind of stalled out, or maybe we're in kind of a, a, a waiting pattern, waiting for things, and uh, it's given us a lot of time to really think and assess what's important to us. And so we decided, like, while culture's on a pause, uh, we as a church, we're going to take a pause as well. Not a pause from what Jesus wants to do in us or the work of the church, but take a pause on some topics that are really important to us that have great effect on our lives and ask the, the good question, like, does this line up with who God is? Does it line up with God's word? Reality is that there is a lot that we think about. There's a lot, that, a lot of opinions and ideas that we've formed in our lives that are made up of a whole bunch of different building blocks. Um, our experiences, the way people have treated us, people of influence in our lives, and sometimes faith makes uh, an appearance in there. Oftentimes culture makes an appearance in there. Um, but what we have found to be true is oftentimes when we trace it down, sometimes the way we function doesn't necessarily line up with Scripture, but we're just running so fast onto the next thing that uh, there's not time for us to pause and really ask those good questions. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about suffering. Uh, last week, we talked about money. And this week, we're going to talk about parenting. And uh, it's a pretty specific topic. And so um, before we get into it, I, I feel like I need to make a couple disclaimers on this. Uh, the, the first is this. The reason that we decided to talk so specifically about parenting is the reality is we have lots of families in our church where they are parenting kids, like right now, actively parenting kids. Um, even those families in our church who maybe have adult children, there's still a parent-child dynamic there, and it's worth taking time to talk about. But the reality is, like, if you are watching this morning and you don't have kids, the temptation might be to just take off or disconnect. And I get that. I understand it. Uh, maybe you're single or married and don't have kids. Maybe uh, you are having a hard time having kids, really want them. Maybe, it, maybe you're perfectly fine with, like, not having children. Uh, maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe your kids are grown. And so the temptation might be, well, this doesn't apply to me, so, like, what's the point of, of listening? I would really encourage you, like, stay with me. Like, stick, stick around because where we're going to land this thing, the heart, the core of where we're going to land this, it's as applicable if you have children or if you don't. Um, it definitely has, like, a, a, a sense that's really helpful with a parent-child relationship, but it also can totally apply to just any relationship where you have influence. And that influence is built into a parent-child relationship, for sure, but regardless of who you are, you have influence in someone's life. And so, even if you don't have kids, stick around, because I think this can still be really helpful to all of us. A second disclaimer I feel like I need to, need to put out there is, I understand that parenting can be kind of a touchy issue to talk about. And uh, I know for myself, oftentimes I feel really unqualified to be able to speak fully on this because I have kids, but they're all young kids. I don't know what it's like to parent a teenager. I don't know what it's like to parent uh, an adult child. 
So I understand that I'm speaking kind of outside of some of my experience. The cool thing about what we're going to talk about today is this truth transcends like the experience we have. It gives us exactly like where we need to head, um, whether we've been to that place or not already. And so I want you to hear that I'm holding all of this loosely, and, and I think it'd be really good for us to walk into this conversation with a lot of humility. Um, as soon as you start bringing people's kids into the equation, it's easy for, for us to get defensive, especially if it feels like, oh, someone's telling me I'm not doing something I should be doing, or I should start doing something I'm not doing. Uh, it's really easy to kind of get defensive, pull back. Um, and I get it. I feel it. And I think the reason is, and it's a good reason, that the vast majority of people, even like people who are making terrible decisions with the rest of their life, they have some kind of desire that's like knit into them to do right by their kids. They might not know how to do that. They might make mistakes in that all along the way. But there's something in us like we want to do right by our kids. We want to do a good job. We know that the stakes are high. And so we want to do a good job with our kids. Um, but we also feel this same tension like we want to do right by them. But if we're being honest, we also know that none of us know what we're doing. And can we just, like, put that out there? Like, I, I hope that you resonate with that, with that statement. Like, none of us know what we're doing when it comes to parenting, right? And anyone who comes, who comes and tells you, like, I know exactly what I'm doing with parenting, don't listen to them. They're either lying or they're delusional, right? Because every single one of us, it's just moment after moment of realizing, I made a mistake here, I made a misstep here, I need to make a change on this. And that's, that seems to be what parenting is, and when we decided, it's kind of funny, we decided to divvy up all of these different topics for this pause series between Travis and Matt and myself. Um, it, it was either right before all the shelter-in-place stuff started or just after it began, but I definitely had no clue where I would be today when I agreed, yeah, we'll tackle the family and parenting thing. And I kind of felt, you know, I'm learning a lot about this, and I feel like we're headed in a good direction and if I didn't, if I had any inkling that I didn't know what I was doing back then, let me tell you, however many weeks we are into this thing that we're living in, I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing. And I bet a lot of us feel the exact same way. And so I think if we're honest and humble, most of us, when it comes to parenting, just kind of are in this pattern of almost falling on our face, sometimes actually falling on our face, having to get up and retry day after day, but really, really want to do it right. And I think what that leads us to do oftentimes is we look outside of ourselves, which is not a bad thing, to other people to tell us exactly how we're supposed to do it. Man, whatever person thought up, hey, we can make money off of selling books that tell parents how to parent their kids, like step by step, they're genius. They're, they're rolling in money, right? Because there's all kinds of different uh, methods and ideas and strategies on how to parent your kids. And it's, and it's fascinating to me that you can have a person who's highly educated, has a ton of experience, knows, seems to know what they're talking about, tell you the exact opposite of another person who has a lot of experience and a lot of education and would tell you to do the exact opposite thing when raising your kids. It seems like it's all over the place. And so there's a ton that we can pick from. And if we find something to just reinforce our own bias, then all the better. And the church is not immune to that. When you, when you come into like the church world, there's all kinds of people kind of throwing out their ideas of this is how you raise your kids in a godly way. This is, this is how you raise your kids in a way that honors God. And there's all kinds of different methods. But what I find really, really interesting as I, as I started to do research on this topic and tried to like really dig deep and figure out, okay, what, is, what does Scripture say about how we're supposed to parent our kids? Because we know it's a big deal and we want to do it well. 
what I found to be true is that even though the idea of family, and even though the idea of a parent-child relationship is deeply, deeply interwoven throughout the entirety of Scripture, like God, God uses that picture to describe himself and our relationship. It's deeply, deeply knit in the story of Scripture, but there's not a ton of like explicit commands given to parents on how to parent their children. Just so interesting, right? It's such a massive theme, but there's really not a ton of explicit commands. There's a lot of wisdom to be considered, but there's not a lot of just do it like this. In fact, after doing a lot of research, I thought it couldn't possibly be true, but really there's only about five. Instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. Discipline them when they disobey. Provide for their physical needs. Make sure they have food and clothes and all that. Regard them as a blessing from the Lord and refrain from exasperating them, which I am so guilty of. Megan reminds me all the time, Kyle, you're exasperating your children. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Those are, those are like really like the five explicit commands that Scripture gives us, and they pop up different places in the Bible. But the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about this, so we, what we tend to do is we kind of fill in the blanks with whatever makes sense to us or whatever uh, seems obvious in the culture. And oftentimes, I think it leads us to a wrong landing place. We know there's a couple things at play, but we fill in the cracks, and oftentimes it, ends, it, it pushes us to end up at a, at a wrong landing place. And I think really what it does, when, when we strip away all the methods and all the ideas what we end up discovering is the decisions that we make as parents, it comes down to what's important to us. It comes down to priorities. It's not a question of methods. It's a question of priorities. And I think really, for the vast majority of us, most of the decisions that we make when it comes to parenting, it comes down to two priorities that we have in our lives. Um, two places th- that, that we make decisions out of, two motivations And I think those two things are a desire to protect our kids and provide for our kids. The vast majority of decisions we make are to protect and to provide for our kids. And I just want to explore this idea this morning. Maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe most of our decisions shouldn't come out of a desire to protect or to provide. Now hold on before we get freaked out here. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it messed up. Like, I'm not saying that these are bad things. They're not bad things, but they turn ugly when they are our top priority. There there are absolutely times when it is good and the right thing to do to protect our kids. There are times when it is absolutely the right thing to do to provide for our kids. And it makes total sense, right? We don't want to see our kids endure hurt or pain, so we step in to protect, like it seems like a good parent would do. We don't want our, our kids to go without, so we provide for them. And there's, there's obviously a spectrum on both of these in how intense we approach them. Um, we, we want our kids to, to have what they need and to be able to be protected, and, and surely that can't be wrong. Surely that's like a good thing. But, but I think we all know that if we place these motivations as our top priority that we make decisions out of, it can turn ugly really let me give you a couple examples. The first is when, when protecting our kids is our top priority, oftentimes we will protect them to the point where they don't get to have experiences that help form them into a fully functioning adult. We've all heard stories of that, right? We've heard stories of a, of a kid who doesn't get a job because they're just not 
acting like great in the interview. And then a mom will call the business and be like, you got to give my kid a job. And the, the manager backs up and all of a sudden the kid has a job. A parent like jumping in in a moment where like a, a person should be able to be making their own decisions. Uh, an example that kind of hits close to home for me is my, my father-in-law, Mike, he works at a Bible college in New Brunswick. And um, he does a program there. And he had this student, and this is a perfect example of how this goes ugly. He had this student come and enroll in his program, but his mom decided that if you're going to go away from the town that we live and you're going to enroll in this program, you're not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it with you. So literally, this is what happened. This kid and his mom moved from a different city to the city where the college is located. They got an apartment off campus. They carpooled into the school together. They took the same degree and took the same classes each and every day. They sat at lunch together every single day, and they were inseparable. Like, that is a perfect example. If you do not see the problem in that, that's, I don't know, we need to be having a different conversation, but that, that is not a healthy way to, like, parent our kids, right? And, and that decision was completely made because protecting her son was the top priority for her. She could not allow him to endure any kind of risk of failure or whatever, so she was actually undermining him, causing a lot of damage. The same is true with provision. Like, we all know stories of people, of, of kids who have just been spoiled rotten because they have gotten everything they ever wanted. Their parents have been running a million miles an hour behind the scene to give them everything they wanted. And sometimes it comes from an okay place of motivation, and sometimes maybe it's a little bit selfish on the part of the parent, but they just want their kid to have everything. And haven't we heard story after story of these people, these high-profile people who have everything they could ever want in the world, all the money, all the stuff, all the opportunities, and they're not fulfilled. They're not happy. They don't have contentment. When providing, when providing for your kids is your top priority, that's how it can go. It can cause a lot more damage than good. Truthfully, I, I believe that when we take these two motivations to their extremes, what it really comes down to on the part of the parent is control and pride. Controlling them and what they do and, and feeling a sense of pride that like I'm providing for them. I'm taking care of them. At their most ugly place, I think that's what it boils down to. So maybe as we all kind of take this pause, we need to take a pause in our parenting and what we need to do is to take a mental shift in our priorities. See, I'm becoming more and more convinced of this. Our job as followers of Jesus, listen completely, isn't to protect and provide for our kids. That might be a job down the list of the things that we're called to do, but it's not our first job. It can't be our top priority. See, I think instead of, of uh, protecting and providing for our kids, our first job as parents is actually to point and to prepare our kids. We're going to dive into that in just a second. But where the Bible is light on explicit commands regarding parenting it is chock full of advice and commands on how to live for Jesus well. We could spend hours combing through scripture and finding all the places where God tells us how to prioritize our lives as followers of him. But really, I think Jesus sums it up really well in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What's happening leading up to this verse is Jesus is teaching to a crowd of people and they're talking about all of these people's anxieties. 
They were like, where are we going to get food? Where are we going to get clothes? Like, how we know we're going to be taken care of? How will we be provided for? How will we be protected? Do those sound familiar? Those are the same fears and concerns so often that weigh on the mind of a parent. And Jesus decided to say this to these people, and I think he's saying the exact same thing to those of us who are watching this morning, who are parents, trying to figure out how to do this thing right. I think it's way simpler than we've made it. Not easy, but simpler. In verse 33, this is what Jesus says to us. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me read it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Seek God's kingdom first, and all the rest of this stuff will make more sense. See, here's where I get hung up on this, and here's why I think we need a, a shift in our priorities. When I think of the kingdom of God, I think of risk and dependence. I do not think about safety. I do not think about playing it safe, having protection. I don't think about having everything we could ever want. Instead, the kingdom of God and the people who have given their lives in service to the kingdom of God, they have risked everything and they have functioned out of total dependence on God. So if this is true of us as individual followers of Jesus, I think it's also true of our role as parents that love Jesus. That our priority is we need a shift. I really think it all comes down to this question. Are we pointing our kids toward God's kingdom? And are we preparing them to live in that kingdom if they choose to follow it? I really think parenting comes down to that truth. Are we pointing them in the right direction and are we preparing them on how to live in God's kingdom if they choose it? Let me give you an illustration that I think might be helpful. Last week, Matt uh, did this object lesson uh, that was really, really helpful. And I was like, well, you know, if the lead pastor did like an object lesson and then the youth pastor got up the next week and didn't do an object lesson, like what kind of world are we living in, right? So, so we're, gonna, we're an illustration church now. We're going to do the object lesson. And, uh, and when Travis gets up here to speak, we'll see what he comes up with. But I do think, I do think this could be kind of helpful to us. I think it might just frame uh, what we're talking about here and maybe just help like solidify the points that we're getting to here. Um, I, and, and by the way, I, I totally straight up stole this illustration from another pastor. And so, I mean, parenting is all about stealing the best ideas from other people. So I thought it was pretty appropriate to do that, right? Um, but his name is Levi Lusco, and he's the pastor of a church in Montana. And he's got a lot of really cool things to say. And uh, he, I, I listened to this message where he was talking about parenting, about family, and about um, pointing our kids towards God's kingdom. And he, he took his group of people that he was preaching to, to this passage in the Old Testament, in Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, and it says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So the writer of this psalm, they, t- he, they, they take kids and they take these arrows and they kind of use them as an example for each other, and then it says, blesses the man who fills his quiver with them. And so if our kids are referred to as the arrows, and we have influence in their lives, then, then what's our role in this analogy? See, I think if our kids are arrows and we have influence in their lives, we have the ability to point them in a certain direction, toward a certain target, if you will. And so then the question becomes, what target am I pointing them toward? 
Am I pointing them toward the target of Jesus? Am I pointing them toward the target of God's kingdom? See, when he tells this story, it's pretty impactful uh, because of the situation that, that he and his family has lived through. He has four daughters. Three of them are alive, and one of them has passed away. One of them is in heaven. And she was five years old when she died. So I can't even begin to imagine the heartache and the difficulty that that, that family would have to walk through. And they've been such an encouragement to so many other families dealing with grief. And I loved how he talked about it. He, he said, I have four daughters, three are alive, one is in heaven. And so we talk about it like this. I got three in the quiver and one in the target. What a beautiful statement. And how true is that statement? Like when it comes down to it, I don't think this is oversimplifying. When it comes down to it, the only target that matters is Jesus. But here's what so many of us do with our influence. Our kid is the arrow. We have some influence to point them in whatever direction is important to us. And what we end up doing is we point them toward all kinds of other targets, but the only one that matters. Because it's important to us, because we find fulfillment in it. And so maybe like financial independence is a really important thing, that you make enough money to be able to do what you need to do. And so your life is pointed at making enough money, and a love for money, and a spending of money. And that's where you point your life. So of course your kid is going to recognize that their life is pointed that direction. Maybe it's finding a really good job and and having a lot of success in that job, and we point at that target. And, of course, our kid's life is going to be pointed in that direction. Maybe we believe that finding real fulfillment in life only comes through, like, a romantic relationship. And so we're pointing our life at a romantic relationship. And we're communicating to our kids that, like, that's the only place that you're going to find fulfillment. There's all of these things, and, and honestly, none of them are really that bad in moderation. But we're pointing our kids at all these targets, and we're missing out on the one that actually matters for anything. Or even worse, out of our mouths we say, yeah, we're about God's kingdom. We're about the Jesus target. But you know what? You're like in school right now. So let's just like, let's just like shift off just a little bit. You focus in on school. That's your priority. We'll get back to this God's kingdom target sometime down the road. And then it's like, well, your extracurricular, your sport, your activity, the thing that's going to carry you into college and make you a bunch of money and bring you a bunch of fulfillment. I mean, that's your priority. We'll get back to this God's kingdom thing at some point. Again, maybe it's relationship. The amount of parents that have said to their kids, it's just staggering, like, are you sure you don't want to, like, live together for a while first? Find out if you're compatible? Then we'll get over to this, uh, this God's kingdom thing. Maybe it's safety and security. You're saying, like, yeah, I mean, Jesus is important, and serving him is important, but, you know, like, don't go to, like, a different country, or, like, don't, don't put yourself in harm's way to serve him. We're pointing at the target of safety and security, or maybe even, this is the most heartbreaking for me, yeah, like, God's kingdom's important. The Jesus target is important, but, like, don't be weird about it. Like, you don't need to go overboard with it. Like, just be cool. So often, we say with our mouths that the, that the, the direction, the target is God's kingdom, but through our actions, we're communicating something different. We're pointing our kids in a different direction. We need to wrap our heads around this truth. The only target that matters in this life, when it really comes down to it, when everything else is is stripped away, is Jesus. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his way of doing things. It's literally all that matters. That's not oversimplifying. 
And in these precious lives that have been entrusted to us in our children, we have a weighty responsibility to show that to them. And not just point them in the right direction, but prepare them for life in that kingdom. That they, they have their own choices to make. Absolutely, you can do everything right, and your kid can still reject the gift of salvation. And that is terrifying, if I can just be honest. They have their own choices to make, but man, let's give them every reason to say yes. As we point them toward the target of Jesus, are we preparing them for the trip? When I think about my own kids, when I'm pointing them toward God's kingdom, am I, am I preparing them on how to live in that kingdom? Like Abby, people are gonna let you down, but Jesus will never, ever let you down. He's proven that to you over and over again. Judah, I know temptation. There's gonna be times where it seems like it's completely overwhelming and there's no other option but just to give in. But just know this, there's always a way out. You are more than a conqueror. You can overcome this. Vita, I know you're feeling purposeless. You're not sure like what you're supposed to be doing with your life, but I want you to hear this. Like God created you with a purpose. He, he has a plan for your life. Don't ever forget it. Jeremiah, like you're gonna endure hard things, bud. It's gonna happen. But take heart, like Jesus has overcome the world. Is there anything better that we could be doing with our life? But how much time and energy do we spend on pointing and preparing if I'm honest of myself, a lot less than I spend trying to protect and provide. Man, make no mistake, that kid that you are raising, they will eventually hear about God as a parent, like as a father. Eventually that will happen. And, and the first thing that they are going to think of when they hear about God as a parent, they're going to interpret that news through how they experienced us first. If my kid gives their life to Jesus... I think an excellent question to ask ourselves is, will it be in spite of me or will I be one of the many reasons for them to say yes? Have I lived my life in a way that they know exactly how worth it it is living for God's kingdom? There's nothing more important than our kids giving their hearts to Jesus in a real and life-altering way. Nothing more important than that. That they end up in heaven with God for eternity and experience his fullness here on this earth. Nothing. There is nothing better than that. Your kid can be a total failure. It could be a total loser in the eyes of the world. But if they have Jesus, they have everything. And your kid can be the most intelligent, successful, like well-loved person on the planet. But if they are doing it apart from Jesus, they've missed the point entirely. Is that what we're communicating? Is that what we're modeling through what we say and more importantly, through what we do? Church, this matters so much. Matters, obviously, to Jesus. He made a big point to, of, of nailing home that we need to be seeking his kingdom first. It's a, I recognize it's a big deal because of my own kids, but I also feel like I have this unique opportunity as I work with high school students because I see what the effects of protecting and providing as top priorities breed in a person. And I've also seen what pointing and preparing breeds in a person. Unfortunately, I've sat down with so many high school students, and this is in no way meant to cast judgment. I'm just telling you what I've experienced. Sat down with so many high school students who feel completely directionless. They have no clue what target they're supposed to be going for. And some of them come from families where probably they should know. You would think that they would know. We need to make sure that through everything we communicate to them, words and actions, that, that they understand that there is nothing better 
than pursuing God's kingdom in relationship with him. So if this is the goal, to point and prepare over protect and provide, if this is the goal, then how do we do it? Truthfully, just one day at a time. Because we are going to fail and make mistakes on this every step of the way. Can I just confess something to you? As I was like wrestling with this this week and as I was being reminded of some of these truths, I got like super amped. I was like, yes, I'm going to be that family. Yeah, I'm going to point my kids toward God's kingdom every day. Like, cool, uh, shelter in place is happening. I have more time with them. I'm going to point toward Jesus every chance I get. And like literally the next day, something happened. Don't even remember what it was. And I fell flat on my face and realized I had been pointing my kids to a completely different target. We need to understand this is not a one-time declaration that we're going to do something. This is a moment-by-moment decision. I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament. In Joshua 24, 15, Joshua says this, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's probably something you've heard. It's probably hanging up in some of your houses. But it's not just a slogan. I mean, it's not something you hire Holly Stavnis to like write in pretty letters on some like reclaimed wood board you bought from Don Rowe like, and hang up in your house. That's not the entirety of it. We love to take that verse and plaster it everywhere, but you know what was happening during that time? Joshua was going around the camp of the Israelites, and he was reminding them, hey guys, do you realize that you're all worshiping false idols? Do you remember that like God brought you out of slavery? What in the world are you doing? He says, what, whatever you're going to do, you do your thing, but I and my family, we're going to live for God. And you know what the Israelites said? Much like me, and maybe like some of you, they're like, yeah, let's do it. We're all about it. Let's go. But if you know anything about the trajectory of the Israelite people, they kept going back to idol worship over and over and over again. And they kept having to pick themselves up when they realized how far they had fallen and repent and ask God to forgive and start moving forward again. And as parents, I feel like that's, that's the way forward for us. When we fail, get back up, apologize to who you need to apologize to, and continue to move forward forward one day at a time. I keep asking myself this question, and maybe you could ask it of yourself too. As I walk through this time, especially this time where we're spending a lot more time with our kids maybe than we used to, maybe than we want to, you're trying to balance like a new dynamic with your family and with your kids, I keep asking myself this question, what target am I pointing them towards? What would my kids say was super important to me? throughout this process? Is it just getting through? Is it getting back to normal? Am I super frustrated that things aren't what I want them to be? Am I super paralyzed by fear about what's going on? Or will they see a life that is focused on Jesus and the work of his kingdom, which is still alive and well and on the move? Let's be real. We have kind of this like lab or like this case study in front of us to do some real discipleship with our kids. Man, let's not miss it. As we go and parent throughout this week, throughout this shelter-in-place season even, let's make sure our priorities are right. Let's make sure that in all we say and in all we do, we are pointing those we love the most toward the only target that matters. I'd like to close our time this morning with prayer, and I just want to remind you that if, if you would like to receive prayer, uh, we have people who are ready to contact you to be able to pray with you. Maybe it's about something different. Maybe something hits you about this morning. Maybe you're a parent who's like, man, I just need somebody to talk to and someone to pray with me. Uh, we would love to do that. 
And we just want to remind you that there's a, there's a way for you to do that where you just text CP Prayer to the number 555-888, and we would love to reach out and connect with you during that, during that process. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to throw it back to Brett, and he's going to give you a couple more pieces of information. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for the great privilege of raising the children that you've trusted us with. God, I pray that even though it's difficult, and even though it seems counterintuitive and countercultural, God, I pray that we would be people, that this whole church would be marked by parents who continuously point their kids toward Jesus and prepare them to live a life devoted to your kingdom and your work. God, I pray that we would never waver from that, and when we do, Lord, we recognize quickly and we get right back on target. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, that what's impossible in our strength is absolutely possible in yours. We're so grateful that you've given that to us. Jesus, be with us as we parent, as we walk through this week. Thank you so much for loving us, and we are so excited to see what you're going to continue to do in us. In your awesome name, amen.